0: At LuckyLandSlots.com,
1: available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18
0: plus. Terms and condition supply. What's up, everybody? Welcome inside the horseshoe on the Monday after Ohio State 49, Michigan State 20. It's funny, Tim. Actually, they didn't play on this field. They played up in East Lansing on the natural grass at Spartan Stadium. Boy, but was that
1: light? Was that nice grass too?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's I like being seen.
1: on a golf fairway. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, it was. It's nice. I think it's
0: better. Uh, you know maintained in the northwestern grass but that high for the Ohio State game. anyway uh, this isn't a grass show Tim this is a football show we're going to talk about Ohio State Michigan State that's Tim may the 40 year of that you all know him I'm Spencer Holbrook uh Tim let's dive into again Ohio State 49 Michigan State 20. um it really wasn't a 49-20 game it was more of a 49 to 13 game I there's actually more of a, yeah
1: I 40, mean I guess a pick six yeah. see Ohio State helped them score their first touchdown yeah and of course, they gave up that godforsaken drive where they were off the field and then they weren't, and they were Twice. off the field and then they weren't. Yeah. And uh, but no, you're right. It was a it was a for one of another term. I guess this is a football term. It was a butt kicking.
0: Yeah. And uh, Ohio State feeling pretty good about itself heading into the off week. There's some. Still some reason for concern. I know a lot of people right now are concerned about Colin McCord's playing time. They want to see him in the game in action more often, but yeah. it's really hard to complain right now if you're an Ohio State fan, the way that they're, that they're humming uh, and not even at full strength. We're going to get into all of that here on the Monday after. Tim, when you go back and when you went back on Sunday and watched this game, uh, after you got back from East Lansing, that long treacherous trip home, uh, what, was, what was a takeaway that you maybe learned that you didn't see when you watched it in person? Uh, that
1: Alabama is beatable, because I was listening to the Alabama-Texas <laughs> A&M game. Uh, Texas A&M, a hapless unit, it seemed, going in, and they almost beat Alabama, could have beaten out now. Alabama was starting his first-time quarterback. You're talking about what I learned. That's what I learned, is that Ohio State, uh, Ohio State may be among the top two in the country. Ohio State actually might be the number one team in the country when you really break it down of how just how good this offense is. And uh, I don't think Georgia and Alabama have a similar offense, at least not yet. Now, Alabama, like I said, was starting at the Milro kid in place of Bryce Young, who got hurt last week. Almost could, almost went on Saturday night, but they, they held him out. But my point is right now, the way Ohio State is playing defense, which is so much better than a year ago at this moment, and then the way C.J. Stroud, that was like watching practice. Matter of fact, I, I would – maybe C.J. Stroud hits every every pass he throws in practice. It's hard to believe you would, but that's about as close as you can get to watching a guy run through the litany of plays that they've got and be almost perfect throwing the ball. And uh, like I told you, I'm not going to sit here and gush all day, but you got to give it up to a guy who's leading the nation in passing efficiency. Uh, you know, they're averaging more than a yard, uh, I think, right right at a yard or a little bit more than a yard this year more per attempt throwing than they were last year. And they're throwing the ball fewer times, as I've told you on this yeah. podcast many times. There's a good, really good chance that C.J. Stroud won't have the numbers he had a year ago but will be a much better quarterback. Yes, And we're seeing that because they've got a running game. Now, you never know who's going to end up uh, showing up for the running game from week yeah. to week, as yeah. it turns out. Now, with Myron Williams not making that trip, but Trevion Henderson until he got hit got hit right here by that guy on the first play of the second half was having a day, man. And they took him out, could have put him back in, but took him out for a precaution. My point is the running game is clicking. And when you put a clicking running game with that passing game with Marvin Harrison Jr. setting records, uh, mechag Buka, the breakout player nationally uh, in my opinion. Julian Fleming has come on playing like we thought he might have played a year and a half, two years ago. Um, Now he's over, sort of overcome that injury bug. And then you throw in some other guys who've stepped up. I mean, Cade Stover, it's remarkable. Uh, Just what a great Mm -hmm. offense we're watching operate right now. Yeah, Tim, and I think that's one of the things that, now that you mention it with C.J.
0: Stroud, is like when we talk about the great seasons in college football history, and I'm not getting ready to do that with C.J. Stroud, but like the reason that we all say that, that Joe Burrow is like the gold standard now for, A season in college football history is not because of 5,000 yards and 60 touchdown passes. It's because of the way he did it. The efficiency. If you look at passing efficiency, he was as precise as you will find a quarterback. You look at Tua in the same year, he was precise because they were scoring over the top on nearly every drive. They, They were 60 yard touchdown pass. LSU was doing that, but they were also moving the ball. And you know, Dwayne Haskins threw a lot of passes. You know, you look back at like that Purdue game uh, where Dwayne Haskins, I think, threw 73 times. and It wasn't the most efficient way of doing things. Ohio State, I think we've got a B surrounding yeah, us. Yeah, we do here. have
1: a B. That's okay. You know uh, why? Because we're sweet as honey.
0: Just let it be, Tim. Yeah. But anyways, you know, now you look at C.J. Stroud and you project this forward, his efficiency numbers are off the charts. It's not the passing yards, it's not the touchdowns. You know, 12 touchdowns, one interception against Michigan State now in his career. Uh, 13 if you count the rushing touchdown in the 2020 blowout, but it's the efficiency with which he operates and proceeds and leads this offense. And that is the number I think that jumps out the most. It's not necessarily, you know, a down to down basis, but you just look, you know, the body of work is growing that he
1: is just such an efficient and precise passer. Yeah. And the other thing, you you rewatch these games just like I do. There's somebody wide open on almost every play CJ Stroud knows that. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the design of this offense uh, has just gotten better as Ryan Day, <clears throat> the Ryan Day uh, era has ensued, and it can get even better. I mean, like I wrote about on Sunday, when they get Jackson Smith and Jigba back, and maybe have that full complement of running backs again, which we I
0: expect p- against Iowa.
1: Yeah, we, we expect that. Oh, yeah, we expect both both of those guys, but definitely Mayan Williams, I expect him to be back with, uh, you know, like I've explained about Jackson Smith and Jigba's uh, situation, it's up to Jackson Smith and Jigba to tell them whether he's ready to go or not. I mean, because yes. the only guy that can really tell you whether their hamstring is, is tight still or is bothering you is the player involved. But, yeah, it's amazing that this offense could be, I'm not necessarily saying, more prolific but definitely could be more lethal and uh, that's that's hard to put your head wrap your head around
0: Yeah and, and that's the thing Tim is because it's it's hard enough to defend the receivers that they've got and again like at this point and I want to harp on this a little bit in this in this show specifically on the Monday after Michigan State the Michigan State game here uh, inside the horseshoe at this point it's not gushing about this offense to say that there are always guys open that these receivers are incredible like it, it's fact. And yeah. so, you know, it's just. Watch, it's, watch it's, the video. It, yeah, the tape. Like I said to you Saturday night, tape don't lie. And so, you know, to think about an offense. Neither,
1: neither do micro discs. <laughs> That's why I keep all mine.
0: <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think about this offense with Julian Fleming and Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. and the running backs. It's even wilder to think about a defense trying to not have a guy wide open on every play when you have to worry where Jackson Smith and Jigby is, probably with two guys, because one guy's not gonna get it done. And then Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. are probably on the other side of the field from that. And so, can this offense get better? The answer is an astonishing, and I mean astonishing, because I don't know how it's possible. It will get better. With Jackson Smith and Jigby in the lineup, it can get yeah, better.
1: If and, and when he if and when he returns.
0: Yes, and that is, that's the thing that I think I take away from the most of this is, we watched an absolute clinic, um, I think 10 yards of play, uh, I think eleven yards of play up until that fourth quarter where they kind yeah. of packed it in. Yeah. Uh, which the fourth quarter was absolute garbage time. I'm not. I take the cumulative stats through the third quarter on the set <coughs> broadcast feed and kind of use that as reference because yeah, the fourth we, quarter
1: was. We missed Michigan State's last touchdown as we were making our way uh, downstairs. You know I missed mean? the
0: fourth quarter because yeah. I was
1: googling <laughs> random
0: things from press box questions and, and having a uh, you know a decent time after I had written my story at longlettermonroe.com. But yeah, you know, I, I turned it around and wrote. On Sunday, Tim on LettermanRow. If I can get a plug in here sure. about this team and what so this how, is all about, if the voters watched for any longevity Saturday, or if they watched you know more of the game than the Michigan State students watched before they crossed that bridge and went back to their watering holes, uh, Ohio State would probably be the number one team in the country right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, when you're playing for Ohio State, at least when you're playing at a blowout like that, uh, it's really easy to hit the t- the TV guide and find your next game. Yeah. When it's when it's that out of hand, and C.J. Stroud is dealing with those
1: receivers. But then again, I mean the voters also. Uh, that was Michigan State's fourth straight loss. Absolutely. Yeah. So all kinds of ways you have to look at things. You can and, spin it, yeah, yeah, however you need and, and to. And the thing about it is, it, it, a poll means yeah, you're you're getting people's uh, opinion on these on these votes, and I understand where they can they, they can say that maybe Georgia, <clears throat> although I don't believe it, Georgia's played. A, Tougher schedule. I mean, Georgia played a a uh, max school and struggled with a max school in Kent State. Ohio State played a max school and scored 77 points on them. Toledo, which you know Toledo's turned out to be a pretty damn good football team. Uh, bottom line is, uh, there are all kinds of ways you can vote. When you have preconceived notions about what is and isn't, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. then you're going to vote that way. And you you finally saw a uh, crack in that, at least in one poll, the Associated Press poll. Meanwhile, the coaches just voted like they had the week before. (laughs) I mean, or whatever, you know, uh, they're, they're, excuse me, they're, the coaches, uh, what do you call it, the guy, their number one confidant who does the voting for them and then turns it in for them. Uh, But that, that's what you're, you know, that's that's why there's great, that's why it's great there's a playoff. Absolutely. And uh, it will be, this will be settled. Ohio State still has to run the table. But this will be settled because you know you, it's it's interesting because I'm not sure Ohio State has much wiggle room as Ryan Day has pointed out several times. Um, you skip, I mean, you trip up one 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 time over these last ne- next six games, and Ohio State's probably out of it, out of it, barring uh, Georgia and Alabama uh, slipping up before they play each other. You know what I mean? So and 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 because you know the one definite landmine out there is that is ohio state michigan another one is ohio state penn state and then a, uh, a real hidden uh landmine out there for ohio state is the trip to maryland the week. week before they play michigan so they're still this uh trip is still fraught with danger so to speak and really the tougher part of the schedule is coming up i think you agree yeah and i'm glad you brought up the schedule tim and
0: let's get into that because it's a, it's a good starting point for the next two weeks and really the next three weeks which is why i want to talk Iowa right now, and this is not an overstatement, is the laughing stock of college football when it comes to offensive football. Everybody, and, you know, everybody under the sun wants well, to make fun of the Iowa offense. Wait a minute, you mean they're actually trying to play offense? <laughs> Brian Ference, the son of Kirk Ferentz, which that's why he hasn't been fired yet because any other coach in America would have fired an offensive coordinator that has the 120th pass team in the country and the 131st overall offense. That's um, hard to believe in modern football. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty astounding how terrible Iowa's offense is. And that leads me, Tim, to this. The Ohio State defense continues to improve. And it had 105 yards given up to Michigan State through three quarters. Again, fourth quarter doesn't matter. It was a blowout. So Ohio State is going to probably have a good, and I say probably because things crazy things could happen, but this would be an absolute crazy thing. Ohio State is probably going to be able to shut down the Iowa offense. I thought you were
1: going to say shut out again.
0: No, shut down the the Iowa offense. Ohio State is also probably going to be able to score enough points, which I mean is more than probably 10, to beat Iowa. And the problem that I see for Ohio State right now is you've got an off week where you're trying to get healthy, rest, recovery, all of that, right in the middle of the season. (coughs) Yeah. Then you've got an Iowa team that is – stuck in the mud maybe worse than any program right now in in the sport let alone in the big 10 they are really just settled into that mud and then you've got the trip to penn state I, i say all this because there's a there's a real opportunity for ohio state to overlook this iowa game because you have an off week and you've got you know i heard a lot of pundits this this weekend already and early this week mention that trip to Penn State in three weeks. That that trip to Penn State, the Ohio State-Penn State game, people are starting to circle that as a top 10 matchup. Ohio State has to take care of some business, not just getting healthy, uh, but also getting healthy and then beating Iowa. And this next three weeks is the most pivotal three weeks of the, of this, the season for Ohio State, in my opinion. Thus far. Thus far, because you've got to A, get healthy, B, stay focused, C, not lose sight of your goals, and D, handle business out here in the horseshoe before you make the, the short plane trip over to Happy Valley. It's an interesting three weeks for this, for this Buckeyes club too. And, and I'm anxious to see
1: how they handle it all. Yeah, I mean, that's why they play the games because it's interesting. And uh, I agree with you. <clears throat> this was always going to be where the, where the season pivots one way or the other. Uh, this off week has come at a, as you pointed out, has come at a perfect time for Ohio State to get some guys Brings, bring some new weapons on, uh, get some guys healthy, et cetera. Because, you yeah, know, it's not just the running backs who get banged up. I mean, offensive linemen get banged up. Defensive linemen get banged up. And, boy, if you can just have one week uh, where you can just sit back, not necessarily kick back, but sit back and relax a little bit, maybe not have a Bloody Tuesday, <laughs> Yeah. you know, or a uh, Wicked Wednesday. I'm not sure they have a nickname for Wednesday, but I hear it's just as, as tough as Bloody Tuesday because – you know, Ryan Day was determined that this team was going to be tougher this year. Yep. It is tougher. <clears throat> he was determined that it was going to have a more physical presence, especially in the run game. Voila, they do. Yep. But it, it takes a toll. You know, the practices are probably have been as tough on Ohio State the last several weeks as the games have been from a physical standpoint. Maybe even more. Yeah, but the bottom line is it's just uh, there, there comes a time when you got to give people a break, you know, and I think uh, Ryan Day, in some form or fashion is gonna give this team a break over the next seven days, uh, just back off a little bit, you know? And, and the other thing to keep in mind is, is uh, as, as we talked about after the game on Saturday, you know, this team only has three scholarship running backs. And Dallin Hayden, the freshman, has really been a boy, almost a godsend yep. the last several weeks because number one, he has delivered when he's gotten into the games. And number two, it's been vital that he deliver. Yeah, You know, you look up on Saturday, and uh, they're using him, and then, boom, when he needs relief, and I'm talking about in the second half, Xavier Johnson, running back. and then Xavier Johnson, who caught uh, as a slot back, playing in place of Jackson Smith and Jigba, caught the go-ahead touchdown pass against Notre Dame in the opening game. Xavier Johnson is proving to be the X factor for this offense in a lot of ways. and uh, And so they're just – all these things you see developing on this team uh, slowly but surely. Lathan Ransom starting and playing most of the way at safety in place of Josh Proctor the other day. You know, yeah. just when you think Josh Proctor has got a, a grip on that position, uh, Jim Knowles and the Perry Eliano and that group, there's Lathan Ransom out there. And he makes this great uh, interception coming out of, not really coming out of nowhere, play, basically playing the position where he's supposed to play it uh, early in that game. and. Uh, just all these things are rising for this team, and it's just amazing how much better this team could be three or four weeks from now than it is now. And I think the other thing, Tim, that, that Ohio State has going for it, especially going into this perfectly
0: placed off week. Um,
1: the perfectly perfect, placed. The, the Idle week is that.
0: Ideally placed. Yeah. Oh, I think it's perfectly placed, and here's why. Let me, allow me to explain here. Penn State travels to Michigan. The winner yeah. of that game is about to get a lot of publicity. Yeah. Uh, as a top ten matchup. Uh, Michigan a top five team still right now in the the eyes of of the poll voters Um, and I say that because I'm still not completely sold on them being a top five team I think they're a top 25 top top 15 team I don't know if they're top five right now okay Alabama plays Tennessee another top 10 matchup
1: and I do think both of those teams belong in the top 10 real quick Tennessee can throw the ball and Alabama has trouble with teams that can throw the ball if they can protect now go ahead it's getting, out that ter- getting that out there early. So I say that this is the perfectly placed off week because Ohio State just got a lot
0: of attention for blowing up Michigan State, and people are starting to ask the question, you know, maybe Ohio State is the best team in the country. Now comes the off week where Ohio State is going to be out of sight, out of mind. You're going to get the hype train. is going to be starting full force, full throttle for either Penn State or Michigan, the winner of that game. Yep. And then the hype train will be, you know, everybody will be on the hype train for whoever wins that Alabama-Tennessee third Saturday in October game. And then there's Ohio State coming off this off week, getting rested, getting recovered, and almost a little in the next two weeks before this Iowa matchup, almost a little out of sight, out of mind, as much as you can be for being the second team, the, the number two team in the country. I say all that, that's why this is the perfect off week for Ohio State, because it can not only see, you know, how good these other teams are around the country and be able to sit, around, sit and watch that while they're resting and recovering, but then they go into that second half of the season even if you can be a little bit out of sight, out of mind, and, and with a fresh focus on the last six games to be ready to go full throttle
1: for those six weeks. You know, we're part of- Does that of the, make sense? Yeah, and you know, we are part of the hype train and we're sitting oh, yeah. here on Monday, Monday morning, uh, taping a video in Ohio Stadium. You yep. know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, but no, you're exactly right. I mean, that, that's what college football is all about is the anticipation uh, of what's coming, reflecting on what just happened, nitpicking on what just happened, uh, with the number two team in the country, uh, they could be playing better at cornerback, no doubt about it. Absolutely, I mean on a consistent basis, they could be playing better. They're actually playing pretty well there most of the time. I got Marlon Kerner, former Ohio State cornerback uh, and NFL cornerback, talking about that very thing on my podcast this week. He was my co-pilot this week, and uh, but we're talking about we talk about a lot of uh, subjects. Number one is what would you be doing with these cornerbacks during this two-week period where you can get better? definitely get better at that spot. And he goes through the litany of how you cover uh, fade stops, how you cover, uh, uh, how you keep from like just getting discombobulated, letting one play lead to another, like what happened with Cam Brown the other night in that one series. They finally took him out of the game to let him calm down. You know, I mean, just all these things they can improve on. Yes. Uh, but it's, it's it in a way, it is nitpicking. But then he, he and I also talk about, you know, if these weapons, if Jackson Smith and Jigba does come back on board to playing time as a defensive guy, and he was a former defensive guy. How as a defense coordinator, where do you start? Where do you start? Where, I mean, because because one of the things that's, that's being overlooked a little bit or oversold or undersold is the way this offensive line is playing right now. They, they Michigan State blitzed on Saturday. You watched it. You watched it on the on the replay. Uh, this offensive line is handling business, and definitely in in the uh, pass pro, but also in the running game. And so, where do you where do you start? What do you try to take away? Do you try to take away Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka? Egbuka is like and like Julian I said, the Fleming. breakout guy. And Julian Fleming. I mean, it's stunning when you look at this. Uh, and I said this in preseason. I thought this had a chance to be the best offense all the way around in Ohio State history, and I stand by that statement. Uh, I think it is proving itself to be that way, because how do you define a great offense? A, a, a great offense? Who do you stop? How do you stop them? And that's the conundrum that defensive coordinators are now dealing with. I mean, we saw new plays on Saturday uh, yeah. against Michigan State, and, and it's, almost like, it's almost like Ryan Day is messing with people. Well, Tim, I saw shades of I of, actually, Ryan Day is messing with people. It's kind of weird,
0: Tim, because I look out there and he's, he's like, a humble mess with people guy. Go ahead, now. <laughs> it's kind of weird because I, I look out there and I watch Emeka Buka run behind CJ Stroud and
1: CJ turn around and act like he's going to hand the ball and then throw it deep. And I'm like. The play action on a, on a, on a, exactly on a slot reverse where the guy reversed to come back the other way. I mean, I, I had to. who thinks of that stuff?
0: I had to rub my eyes, ask our photographer, Matt Parker, down on the field, like, is that Gus Malzon calling the offense? Because it looked like, yeah. you know, they used to run that where they'd send the guy in motion, fake the handoff, throw down.
1: Whirling Dervish.
0: And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're also in the power eye down on the goal line. I have to rub my eyes again and say, wait, Kirk Ferentz down there? Is that, like, what are we doing here? And yeah. so, you know. It's but then
1: good. he rolls right and hits G. Scott in the back of the end zone. He had three receivers there in the right-hand side of the uh, end zone. And G Scott just comes kind of like from the backside, nobody picks him up, touchdown. I mean, dude, this is high level stuff that that people are getting to watch here. I hope they are appreciating it.
0: Yeah, and, and it all is also helped by the fact that they just keep leaking Cade Stover out there and, and teams now have to to know where he's at. Yeah. And that's opening the field, obviously, for mecha Ibuka, uh, you know, because he's been a weapon across the middle, which is why I almost, you know, we didn't do bold predictions for the season. If we did, um, I think I told a couple of people, I thought Omeka was going to be the leading receiver on this team because all the attention was going to be paid to Jackson, but also the slot receiver in Ryan Day's offense go off. You look at K, all the way back to K.J. Hill, when Garrett Wilson was there, the times Crystal Lauderdale is there. Last year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, there's a track record now
1: for slot receivers you know in why? this offense. You know why? Because that's, that's mismatched city. Absolutely. I mean, he is, Ryan Day is brilliant and his staff are brilliant at getting the mismatches they want. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Lined up in the backfield sometimes against uh, Utah in the Rose Bowl, but came out of the slot more you know more often than not, actually most of the time, and they had no matchup for him. I mean, you can talk about high lowing a guy or bracketing a guy, but those guys still have to be able to cover the guy. Yeah. And uh, and what what's what's gotten gotten my attention too the last couple of years, but definitely this year, Ohio State sometimes attacks zone coverage by hitting guys on the run. As opposed I, to guys just setting down in a zone, you know the open zone, the old classic way you attack a zone, uh, off, a zone defense. But they've got, I'm telling you, this quarterback C.J. Stroud is about as good as I've seen ever in college football of delivering accurate, uh, well thought out, quickly thought out uh, passes against different coverages. He sees the field about as about as well as anybody I've ever seen. Uh, you know. I just, you just wish he could take back that 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 one pass uh, against Rutgers to start the second half last yeah. you know, two weeks ago because that was just like came out of the came out of the shoot. I'm going to throw this ball no matter what. Yeah. You know, and uh, so occasionally that guy does have a gaff, but but he he doesn't have two in a row. Tim, we talk about all these all, these offensive skill weapons as we wrap things up here on the Monday after
0: talk about all these skill weapons. Now we've mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigbo. We've mentioned who hasn't even played really this year. We've mentioned uh, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison. We're
1: anticipating.
0: And Marvin Harrison Jr. And we haven't, we've mentioned him, but not really talked about him. The guy who's now caught five touchdowns in four games played this year. uh, Julian Fleming has played in four games. He has five touchdown catches. He's caught a touchdown in every game he's played in. That guy gets open. And for all the chatter about the other guys you know 200 uh, yard receivers marvin harrison jr had three touchdown catches including the one that he caught at his ankles um but was really thrown chest high it was a wild catch and then also the over the shoulder catch when michigan state tried to blitz cj stroud and uh, my favorite and,
1: pass of the day which was
0: just dropped in a bucket and marvin harrison jr made it look easy on the catch but anyways julian fleming's doing some special things in this offense too he can't be overlooked but that is all and I mean all, a challenge over the next two weeks as Iowa also has an off week for Phil Parker and the Iowa defense to try to figure <coughs> out how to stop this Ohio State offense. It's one thing to hold Illinois to nine points because you know Chase Brown's going to run downhill at you and they had a backup quarterback. It's another thing to try to hold this Ohio State offense down. I'm not sure how Ohio, uh, Iowa plans to do it, but if there's <coughs> one defensive mind who can kind of trick Ohio State a little bit Maybe it's Phil Parker.
1: He's a really talented guy. I'm anxious to see that matchup between Ryan Day and Phil Parker. Well, here's the thing. You don't, uh, in my opinion, this is what this is why I think this is the best Ohio State offense ever. They don't have to fight in a phone booth. Nope. They don't have to. It's not three yards in a cloud of dust. Nope. Their passing game is ten yards per attempt. Ten yards and a, well, a flap of wings. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I was talking about a while ago. Is it is Ryan Ryan Day and his staff. <clears throat> present new conundrums for the defensive coordinators to come every game. Yep. And uh, if you line up and just try to play rock'em, sock'em with Iowa and play right into their hands, then you're a fool, uh, in my opinion. They're not going to do that. I mean, Ohio State has the ability, and Phil Parker knows that by watching the video and just listening to guys like us. He knows yeah, what's we're smart. coming. We're really smart. Yeah, you've got to have guys step up and make plays. But... Do you have that array on defense to match up with three receivers, the likes of uh Marvin Harrison Jr. and Agbuka, and Jugan Fleming, all of whom in some form or fashion were a five star recruit. Yeah. And you haven't even mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba who may be coming back on board. The now the tough thing is, uh you don't have four footballs to throw in every play. No. So but that's 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 what makes this Ohio State offense special is who do you take away and how do you take it away without without tipping C.J. Stroud that you've taken that guy away, now he's going to throw over here. Yeah. Because C.J. Stroud is playing like a veteran. He sees the field, like I said, as well if not better than any quarterback who's ever played here, at least I've covered, and uh, Troy Smith was was in that realm too. but. J.T. Barrett was pretty good at it, but he didn't—he wasn't as physically gifted throwing the ball as C.J. Stroud is. Yeah, that's the—and it's only going to grow after this coming week because if they—if they, if they uh, pick the lock on the safe, that is Iowa's only chance, which is their defense figuring out a way to shut down Ohio State's offense. Uh, then Katie bar the door. Yeah, yeah, Tim.
0: I think we can end on that note because we've got two weeks now to discuss this matchup inside the Horseshoe: Ohio State versus Iowa. Uh, Tim, closing thoughts were great. Uh, full breakdown was great. I hope everybody enjoyed it here inside the Horseshoe. We've got 12 days now until Ohio State versus Iowa, October 22nd in the Horseshoe. We will be here with full coverage of Ohio State and Iowa for the next two weeks and all season long at LettermanRow.com. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to LettermanRoe.com, Get all of our coverage right now for one dollar for just one dollar for an entire year. But Let's get out of here, Tim. For the 40-Year Vet Tim May, I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will see you guys in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center for the Ryan Day Press Conference on Tuesday